On this episode of AV Week, Marlon completes the merger of AVISPL and Whitlock. A UK court is using Zoom to settle a multi-million dollar lawsuit. And the biggest verticals that integrators should focus on as we come out of the COVID-19 crisis. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 Is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 451, recorded Friday, April 10th, 2020. Be happy. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box, and by Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have got this week. First and foremost, her name is Dawn Mead, and she comes to us by way of Maryland. Welcome, ma'am. Hey, thanks for having me on, Tim. Absolutely. And if you are a fan of Miss Dawn Mead and her cohort, Kelly Perkins, they, uh, a brand new uh, AV social that dropped today. We're recording this on Friday. It posts on Monday. But yeah, go check that out as well. Uh, also with this is my old buddy, Mr. Joe Andrulis. How are you, sir? Very well. Thanks, Tim. Good to be back. All right. Uh, he is from Biamp. And Mr. David Silverstein. Uh, David Hello. is from D10. Welcome, sir. Thank you. So a couple things here real quick. Um, First of all, we're, we're doing a, a second virtual conference because um, all of my energy wasn't zapped and sucked out of my body this week from this one. Um, not really. We, we, we put together a, a residential one. Some great people put, uh, put together some great, fantastic content. Jeremy Burkhart, uh, Mitch Klein, uh, Charlie Kendall uh, had a lot of help from a lot of people. Really great stuff. You can check out a lot of those sessions uh, on our website. So this week we'll do the commercial side, uh, which is more my wheelhouse. So uh, we're doing three days, uh, the 14th, 15th, and 16th, some really great keynotes. Uh, Mr. Dave Labuskis from Avixa kicks us off. Randy Klein, uh, also Chris from uh, Sure, is gonna do, some, uh, do a keynote. We're gonna have a couple of panels. Uh, we got Chuck Wilson coming by from NSCA. And we have a panel of integrators talking about how to get through this and what they're doing. Uh, and actually one of the ones that I'm looking uh, forward to is, um, my buddy Clive Caldwell is doing a panel for us uh, uh, from AP Magazine, looking at both sides of the pond and what this this um, crisis looks like and what the industry looks like globally uh, after it. So you want to come out, come by. Uh, lots of great education. The vast majority of them will get you some sort of a CTSRU. Go to our website right there, smack dab in the middle, and you can click on that and you can register. So uh, kicking off this week's episode, and the first story we have um, actually comes to us from um, AV uh, Network and SCN. Marlin has completed the acquisition of AVI SPL and their merger with Whitlock. As many of you will remember, something that feels like a hundred years ago, but it was actually only in February, right before ISD. Marlin, the equity partner uh, that owned the, uh, a stake in the majority stake in Whitlock, uh, purchased and partnering uh, the, AVI, the AVI SPL group together. And so, what this means is that we have one big, ginormous integrator, the world's biggest. Um, integrator technically got bigger is what happened there. From the SDN uh, top 50 stance, uh, the number one and number three have now joined forces and now you have uh, an entity that is over $1 billion. Don, I'm gonna start with you on this. Uh, as a current customer, you are an end user, uh, the company that you work for, but you also used to be an integrator. 
what does this mean, uh, both from a, a customer side and somebody who is, gets sold uh, by by ABISPL? You, you, they come to you looking for, you know, to, to bid on your work, but also as a former integrator, somebody who would compete against them. Right. Um, well, first, uh, you know, my sympathies to all the folks at Diversified. You were nipping at their heels for number one with your most recent uh, acquisitions, and I, I'm afraid they they just sort of ran right past you there. So sorry about that, guys. Um, <laughs> Uh, as, as a former integrator, you know, this is hard because I always worked for mom and pop boutique integrators and we were always the companies that did great work and you dealt with our little region and we were, you know, just stalwart, but always having to compete against these monster companies. And with these monster companies come monster discounts because of the monster volume they're buying. And uh, I'm not talking about the gold plated cables here. So you know, as a former integrator, it kind of hurts a little to see the big guys getting even bigger. Um, as an industry wonk or whatever you want to call me, it's exciting that the um, investment world is continuing to look at our industry and see what we've known all along is that we're awesome and a great investment and invaluable to the business world in general. So they're interested in pursuing us and, and, and keep that investment opportunity going for the AV industry. But as an end user, it's a little rough. And uh, Tim, you and I have talked about this several times, both on and off the air on previous shows. Now that I'm an end user, you know, with locations all around the globe, there, there's this dynamic where we want to have like one or two trusted companies that we can do business with everywhere, that we love and adore and, and just have a great relationship with. And that's fantastic. The problem is, you're only as strong as your weakest link. That's true of chains. It's true of chain businesses. And when I'm looking at an AVISPL-sized organization, the branch right here in Washington, D.C. might be fantastic. They might not. The branch in, you know, Podunk, wherever, they could be terrible. Or they could be the best company in the chain. But the gamble as somebody that's going to be dealing with millions of dollars across an enterprise is how do I know that the group over there is as great as the group over here? I don't know. And if I'm going to be committing my reputation to my company's money, I want to know that I'm dealing with a company that can do what they say they can do. And, you know, Avixa certifications and company certifications like Apex, those are fantastic. But when you're talking about an organization that big, you can be Apex and still have podunk branch that can't do anything as part of your organization because you're so large, you have enough certified people that it, it's going to be a gamble. So I'm hesitantly op optimistic because I will now have more options everywhere. But at the same time, once you get a bad reputation, especially in a company like mine, where my immediate boss who heads all of AV for the company for the world, you know, if he had a bad experience with AVISPL, even if you're the biggest in the world, you might not get back in the door. So, um, it, it, it's something to be wary of, and I hope the folks listening to this that are high, high up at AVISPL will take heed and say, okay, we want to make sure our training and our business processes are on point at every branch, not just the ones here in the big cities or the ones, you know, in this section of the planet. Yeah, absolutely. David, as a manufacturer here, um, what does this do for your relationship with AVISPL? Does it does it better it? Does it does it harm it to get to get so big that that now they are uh, they continue to be uh, are they continue to be an even bigger presence in, on the planet? 
Well, as a manufacturer, you know, it has some impact, but it's not a very large impact. Let's put it that way. You know, that the, the rule, the standard rule is, you know, 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. With an organization this large, you could actually be doing 90 or, you know, 95% of your business through this massive integrator that now is AVI SPL. Uh, but you certainly don't want to have, you know, you certainly don't want all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, right, to keep that balance going. Uh, but the other side of it is these two organizations in particular were so or so well organized and so well run that there's not going to be a big change in the way they do business or how we operate with them from one company to the other. You know, in other cases where you've seen even ABISPL pick up uh, much smaller companies or much different companies than themselves. Uh, there was there were more changes in oh we had to deal with these other people this way and now it's AVISPL we got to change things. But the the way Whitlock operates and the way AVISPL operated were so much similar uh, that it should be an easy merge between the two organizations. And from a manufacturing point of view, I don't think it's going to affect us very much at all. We'll just keep dealing with AVISPL and away we go. Joe, um, David mentioned the fact that, that this could adjust some of those percentages, the 80-20 rule. What is the, da the danger there? I mean, I, I mean it's it, of putting, as he said, all, all your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. And as a manufacturer, is this a case where you guys start going more, more outreach, right? Where you actively search for, you know, maybe the, 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 the dealer that you, you guys haven't been introduced for. That, that's why some of these, you know, the fact that we don't have trade shows right now is a, is a little bit of a bummer because you, you don't have those, those ready-made connections. And so your your team needs to do some little, little bit more uh, outreach right now. Yeah, a little bit. I, I don't think that that's unique to this period. Uh, we've always been taking that, that philosophy. Uh, so we have got thousands of dealers. And uh, there's no doubt that ADI-SPL with Whitlock is, is, is huge and, and a big, big influence, very, very important customer for, for us before and, and will be in the future. Uh, but, but having said that, it, um, we still have a very, very vibrant and diverse group of, of dealers. So notwithstanding some of the challenges that Don mentioned about managing a far-flung enterprise um, and, and realizing some of the, the benefits of it purportedly to be able to support organizations globally, which is quite true, you know, it, it's either still going to be some variability um, depending on the office. But that's not really a whole lot different than what you have if they had remained independent and you had to buy from independent separate dealers because you didn't have one big organization and you still had to deal with the variability. So I think that, um, I think that the differences from a manufacturer's point of view and, and even for a lot of the end users may be a, a little bit less than uh, it may at first appear based upon the size of the deal. Mm, very good. Uh, our next story comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. A commercial court case has, uh, for the first time, used Zoom to hear uh, testimony and to settle a case. The case is uh, against the, or was brought against, was brought by the National Bank of Kazakhstan and the Republic of, Ka Republic of Kazakhstan that included $530 million worth of assets. Good Lord. David, uh, D10's a huge partner with Zoom. Uh, they've had uh, their share of lumps over the last week or so when, when it comes to security. Some stuff like this though, uh, strikes me as the, the exact opposite or in contrast to some of those stories where a government body, the court, uh, in this case in UK, is, is leveraging that, um, not necessarily putting a whole lot of weight in, the, in the, some of the security issues that us over here in the States are, are bringing up, 
just stories like this and, and technology like this, does this help, especially during this time where we're all social distancing, we're all primarily working from home um, and helps Zoom and folks like D10 say, you know what, look, here's here's a case where we can help you out and, and be secure and also provide uh, a service. Well, you know, the, the let's put the security piece aside for a second and I will address that for you. Um, the Zoom, Zoom software was built to help uh, commercial organizations collaborate better. That's what that's what their that's what their goal is. Is they you know their their whole slogan is meet happy. That's what they're driven on. D10 is driven on the ability to make it as easy as possible for everybody involved to get a conference going in the conference room. And when I say easy is easy, I mean easy to install, easy to operate, easy to everything. We're specifically focused on working with Zoom because we know then we can make a product that is that much easier to operate based on the Zoom track. So we in Zoom understand that model. Now, when the whole Corona thing hit and everybody started downloading Zoom and using it everywhere in education and all these other spaces, people did not build their back end and have the have their admins set up the proper security they just downloaded the free version and started going at it now you know zoom has made a bunch of changes so if you do just download the free version all kinds of security tools are already turned on for you where they weren't before it was kind of just determined that a Zoom admin would configure everything for everybody. And when that wasn't happening, that's really where a lot of these Zoom problems started coming up. Uh, Zoom themselves have made it made a huge commitment. Uh, just a couple of days ago, Eric Yuan did an Ask Me Anything uh, webinar call specifically about security. They made some security adjustments uh, and their company is committed for the next 90 days to focus on nothing but security to make sure everybody has the security they need and is using the security that they should be using. So I think in the long run, people are gonna understand it. The people that are already using Zoom, uh, even the courts in this case, realize that the tools are there, you just have to turn them on and get them to operate. You know, uh, Zoom even has a whole HIPAA program where they can run HIPAA compliant calls so they can actually meet the healthcare requirements, right? So they're, they're really built around corporate communications. Uh, and most recently, Zoom has become the social media communications tool, uh, which is a little surprising for them, I think. But, uh, you know, you have to address those kind of things. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, it really is. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I remember back, you know, 100 years ago when they, we were putting tambergs in prisons so that they didn't have to transport prisoners to court uh, and those kind of things. I think now it's getting easy enough that courts in particular, other organizations like that can really leverage the, communi the, the remote communications is really what we should kind of call it or video teleconferencing. And we're just gonna see more of it across the board. Um, I'll take it a little farther and say, when we come back from this, we're all not going to work at the same time. We're going to go in stages. It's going to be a slow rollout. And every room in America that has a Polycom star phone or whatever it is sitting on the table is going to need some video enabled solution so that the people are working from home can join into the office. 
So the industry in the AV industry in general is going to explode before we even start going into the office because they'll start asking us to put those things in. So when people come back, they can start doing it. Well, Joe, and that's a good point is the fact that the, the, the federal, the U.S. federal government uh, labeled the AV industry and AV workers as essential, right? They are essential. Um, and in conversations this week with several of the instructors for this, this virtual conference we're having this next week, they, they made the, a lot of our, our instructors are making the, the good point that, you know, what David just said, that we're, we're going to start being called back. So as folks who are looking at security and are looking at secure communication and are looking at distance uh, connecting, you know, from a company that, you know, Biamp does not just audio now, but you guys do video, you've got speakers, you have an entire line. Um, how do we help the integrators who are starting to come back before the rest of us are and get their stuff and your stuff into those systems to make them secure and make them, you know, make, make the connections um, that the customers are looking for? Yeah, well, I think uh, we, it's our responsibility to make sure that the tools are in place so that they can activate them when they're appropriate. Uh, as Dave mentions that um, many of these things are in place and it's sometimes just a matter of education to ensure that people understand how to use them properly and that they where they ought to be deployed um, but it's also a moving target and no matter what you think you've done to ensure security you haven't done enough and somebody's going to find something there so it's it's not as though you're either secure or you're not secure it's you're on a journey and there's always somebody there trying to go and and figure out what what little crack that you've you've overlooked um, or that you've chosen to overlook, right? Because sometimes it's a balance between providing perfect, you know, perfect security as you take, take your camera off, but then you uh, diminish the quality of your collaboration experience. So it's not that perfect security is impossible, it's just that it's not fully desired and you have to find that balance. And so giving companies, whether they be integrators or end users, an array of tools and enough education to ensure that they know what they can be doing and what the right match is for them, I think is probably the right path. Um, the AV industry does, you know, recently has become much, much more sophisticated, but it hasn't been a network-based platform for many, many years. Uh, with the emergence of UCs is really a real dominant force. Uh, any hesitation to move to the network is now really going by the wayside. And that really does mean that we have to become very, very savvy upon all the security points of exposure that networking, um, enables for people who might want to do bad things, bad actors. Uh, but it also has a lot of great tools and a lot of tools that maybe AV manufacturers and integrators aren't as familiar with as they need to be. So uh, again, it's a it's a journey for us all to be on and uh, we need to buy layer on it. Absolutely. Don, I want to take a little bit different approach here. Uh, Don works for a multinational corporation. We are not allowed to say who because then black helicopters start circling over the, uh, the aviation studios. However, um, interesting thing with, with the um, government and other associated industries, uh, they are security adverse, right? Um, putting things on the network is typically shied away from. However, there will come a time when that will happen um, just because of the way that the technology is, is moving. Um, the US government is uh, in the middle of, of awarding something called the Jedi uh, contract. And that is putting a vast majority of their resources and um, documents in the cloud. Depending on who you believe, either Microsoft is gonna get that or, or Amazon will get that. And you can research that and Google that yourself. Um, 
but they are moving that way, right? So is, is it something where, is it just a matter of time uh, or is it just a matter of the right type of software and security algorithms that will take the government and other associated industries to that next level? The answer there is yes. <laughs> it is both a matter of time and a matter of the right product with the right security and the right context. Okay. And between you, me, and the wall here at Redacted, um, we recently started using the secure government form of Zoom for some of our large meetings and all hands meetings since we cannot gather. And this was prior to most of us working from home. Uh, we couldn't all gather in the auditoriums, the meeting, the larger meeting spaces. So they started doing that as a test. And we've done a few test meetings using the very secure, I'm sure costs very much, highly technical government version of Zoom, which I presume was used in the court case worth millions of dollars that, that this article was about. You know, so they are providing the... IT and network security that we need and the time with what's going on in the world obviously was right or wrong as the case may be. And, um, you know, we're getting there. I mean, you know, some of our government partners are using the same platform. Um, there are other platforms out there that also provide security that others are using. So I think in 2020, even without the pandemic panic that we are all going through, we are finally at a place where video streaming type VTC, and we always spell that out for our internal customers where I work, that VTC means a codec and VTC is not the streaming services. But I think some of the streaming VTCs are ready for prime time, as they say. As long as they are properly secured, you bought the right version, and your IT and InfoSec people have done their job in setting it up properly, um, we, we may be at that time and we are seeing those products on the market now and we're using them. And, and, and if I may, to David's point, you know, the whole reason I'm work, I've been working at home as an essential employee is because I still haven't quite gone back for my shoulder surgery. So they just said, eh, stay there. But I am working remotely. I am using Zoom and Skype for business and other type products to be in contact with my boss, with my customers internally and with our external vendors. But I've also used that HIPAA compliant Zoom and had several doctor's appointments when I haven't been able to leave the house in the past couple weeks. And just the other day, I helped troubleshoot the free, less secure, not quite set up right version of Zoom for a Zumba class that one of my friends up the street was having for, since the gyms are all closed. So, you know, it's become ubiquitous. People are starting to understand it better. Once people understand the basic security risks of the free version and then realize there are other versions as needed, you know, it's like, it's like a Chinese restaurant menu, you know, pick your right column, pick what you want from column A, column B, and you're good to go. And I think that's where we are. Mm, very good. Uh, last story here comes to us from Commercial Integrator. Uh, the uh, NSCA's BLC every year, they've, they've got a really fantastic uh, economist. Um, Mr. Cole uh, is, he's funny. Uh, he's, he's energetic. Uh, yes, he's an economist. <laughs> funny and economist. I, I swear to you, he is. So if you ever get a chance to, to hear him speak, he was on a webinar with NSDA this last week, which is what uh, Craig McCormick's story is about. And he goes down and says, here are two or three of the 
um, verticals that we're, we're, we're seeing and we're predicting that are coming in, gonna come out of this with, with a bang. Um, real quickly though, as, as all, a lot of us know, um, this last Friday, a week ago, uh, actually from this taping, um, is when the federal government um, opened up the, the, uh, the process to do the PPP, which is the, the uh, Payroll Protection Plan, part of the CARES Act. If you are a small business, you have less than 500 employees, go out and do that. Talk with your accountant, talk with your lawyers and, and your bankers and get that. It'll, it'll cover about two and a half months worth of your payroll. And uh, if you do certain things, and I'm not an accountant nor a lawyer, so talk to them about the, this process. But my understanding is, is after a certain amount of time, those are forgiven. So it's a type of grant as long as you do certain things. Uh, he talks about that, though. And he talks about some of that uh, infusion of cash that the government's doing, at least the, Fed, the U.S. federal government. Uh, Joe, I'm going to start with you on this. A couple of things that he points out is that both medical the industry as well as security is going to be the leading the leading edge of this uh recovery when as as av integrators um how do we um essential employees that we are uh an essential uh industry that we are how do we sell to this how do we get in there without sounding like we're being opportunistic. And, and this is this is a million dollar question that, that we have asked internally here at Aviation. Uh, we've asked uh, integ other integrators um, and the, the best answer we've got is listen yeah. and offer, you know, help, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I personally am not worried about coming across as being uh, opportunistic and, and going into a lot of these organizations. This event has changed the way people, they, they, it has forced people to take experiments with the way they work that maybe they'd been interested in, but had a number of reasons why they weren't going to go and now wasn't the right time or whatever. Yeah. It's been forced on them now. And they found the things that work well and they found the things that haven't worked well. So there's a huge opportunity for us to come in and say, you know, now that remote working isn't just, you know, a potential thing you might consider in the future, but it is a way that you're doing work now. Let's make sure that you're doing it right. You know, let's make sure you have the right um, software set up. Let's make sure that your rooms are equipped with the kind of technology that are going to make remote participants feel as though they're really there and not feel like they're sort of a second class participant um, through better speakers, through better microphones, through better tuning of the room or uh, its acoustics and so forth. And they're already sensitive to that. I can tell you that at Biamp, you know, we sell sound masking is one of the solutions that we sell. And we've had a lot of people coming in from the medical arena now all of a sudden interested in sound masking to provide confidentiality outside consultation rooms. There's a lot of sensitive conversations going on in areas that are packed full of people because of, because of the, the extent of the uh, epidemic and its in, impact. So um, all of these people are already highly sensitized to the issues. And I think that they're very, very desirous of people coming in with a sincere effort to go and provide them a solution to these problems. Um, you're not convincing them that they're in pain. They know it. And uh, now you just come in and help them relieve it. Don, I want you to put on your former integrator hat for a second and, and talk about how, as an integrator, we can come out of this uh, crisis. You were with an integrator during the 08 crisis, which is the last significant economic downturn. So how, how is an integrator, what, what would you give, what advice would you give to an integrator as we all kind of start, see, start seeing our, um, our jobs start picking back up again and, and the workload start, start increasing? 
Well, first of all, completely shameless plug. If I were an integrator right now, I would go back not to the April edition, but the March edition of AV Social, where Kelly and I talked about crisis communication and how exactly one should market during an event like a pandemic. Or we talked about hurricanes. We talked about, you know, political upheaval, um, things like that. Uh, watch that show, not because Kelly and I are necessarily the smartest people, but our guests always are on point. They know what to, they're talking about. And uh, check out that show. Um, that was, and hopefully Tim will link this in the show notes, that the, the March issue of, of AV Social, where we're talking about crisis communication. Um, but the biggest thing, it, and, and I believe Joe mentioned it there, is have a relationship. It's always all about relationships. And right now, you should have a good relationship with all of your existing customers. You should be able to say to them, hey, we're here for you. We know things are strange. We know things are changing and everybody hates change. But we want to be your partner through this transition and we want to be able to provide you the technical expertise you need to weather this transition properly. Don't go in there and say, I want to sell you because nobody wants to buy. But if you go in there and say, I am here to be your resource, to give you assistance, to help you succeed. You know, going in with that approach and that idea and don't fo focus on your silly black and gray boxes, which our industry adores, then you will be much more successful than coming in with your hard, uh, you know, three-piece suit, uh, used car salesman kind of shtick and just kind of pushing the numbers in the funnel. You know, focus on those relationships. Say, what are your challenges during this transition time? Have you found a significant pain point with your existing work from home setup that we can help you with? And by going at it with that approach and watching that AV Social show, you should have a better idea of how to go and approach your customers in, in this hard transition because, you know, even some of our AV companies are trying to figure out how to handle this. We are essential. We do need to go on sites. But at the same time, not everybody is essential and needs to come in. How are we, you know, we're, we're famous for being the shoemaker with no shoes in our industry. Is your office set up for remote work as well for your salespeople or your marketing staff or your admin staff, the people that don't have to get in a white truck and go see your customers. So uh, think about those options. Reach out to your customers as a partner, not as a sales hoaxer. And, uh, you know, that, that, that I think will lead to more success. All right, David, uh, you'll have the final word on this. How do you, what is that, where is that line, right, between uh, sales huckster and, and genuinely being, being helpful? Well, the real, the real answer is there are going to be so many more people that are looking to be helped. I don't think we need to be the sales hustler in this case. Um, you know, when, when we come out of this, I honestly believe HR departments are going to make rules that say you can work from home 30 days a year. It's going to be part of the corporate structure and policy. And when those kind of things come into play, they're going to need technology to make it work. They're going to need us to guide them through that process. Uh, we, we were already, we're seeing it already. Uh, with D10, we have a program called Stay Connected, uh, where we have people signing up and uh, we're sending them D10 boards to their house so they can just try it out and work with it. Because what we're trying to do is give them the experience so that when they go back to the office, they understand what is possible so that they can do it in their office and do it in the right way. Uh, and that's really the key here. The more stuff we can do now to help our customers understand and get them working with the 
tools that they have. I think a lot of people resisted letting people work from home, didn't really like using video conferencing, whatever that meant. They're all forced to now. And now that everybody is forced to, they're starting to say, well, maybe it's not so bad. Okay, every now and then I could do this. Others, I think, are saying, boy, why do we have an office? Why do we need an office anymore? Now, let's face it, we're all going to have offices. We're all going to go back and, and work with each other. But those kind of thought processes are coming in. Uh, I think the architectural community is really considering uh, what is an office of the future when we come back, because there might be some serious redesigns there so that offices are much more social places for us to get together and work can be done anywhere. All right, very good. That'll be a good last word. Thank you all so much, Ms. Dawn Mead. How do people get a hold of you? Well, as usual, you can find me on the online uh, social networks and uh, LinkedIn, those places, either as Dawn Mead, M-E-A-D-E, just like the fort, or you can find me at A.V. Dawn all over the Twitters and the Instas and whatnot. Uh, I can't tell you where I work because that info is confidential, but you can always find me here on avnation.tv with Kelly Perkins hosting the A.V. Social Show and popping up on A.V. Week whenever Tim deigns to allow me. Every six weeks. You can find her every six weeks. Six. <laughs> Count it. Uh, Mr. Andrewis. <laughs> Mr. Andrewis. Thank you, sir. Oh, um, shy about the uh, I know. You're from Biamp. So Where can people find? Well, <laughs> not just Biamp, dude. I mean, I, I was talking with your folks this week. The, the folks at Community are doing a, a course for us next week. Yeah. So just, you've got Community. you got all sorts of folks. So right. in Absolutely. general, where do we find you? Uh, you can find me at joe.andrulis, A-N-D-R-U-L-I-S, at buyamp.com. I'm happy to take an email. I'm, I'm very wide open. And, of course, on the same social media channels, LinkedIn, uh, I am the one and only Joe Andrulis. You don't have to worry about getting the wrong one. Um, and that's how you can get a hold of me. All right. Very good. Uh, last but not least, Mr. Silberstein, thank you, sir. Sure. Absolutely. Anytime. I guess every six weeks is now the role. No. Uh, but you <laughs> But you can get me at david.silberstein at d10.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is d10dave. Uh, very good. Very nice. All right. Uh, for me, don't follow me on the Twitters. Um, I'm still <laughs> celebrating the fact that the, the Blues are the reigning Stanley Cup champions, and it looks like they will be the reigning Stanley Cup champions for one more year. So let's just put it that way. Uh, but go by the website, if you would, please. Avnation.tv. It's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. While you are there, please check out our supporters section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and this fantastic uh, group of folks, including Don Mead and Kelly Perkins and the AV Social Group, and Biamp is one of those, and we thank them for their support. Uh, also, like we mentioned at the top of the, uh, the uh, show here, if you are working from home, uh, you can learn from home uh, this week at least. For the next, uh, we have three days, the 14th, 15th, and 16th, uh, virtual training, as well as a host of really great keynote uh, speakers, uh, starts at 10 o'clock every morning, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, so that's 9 a.m. Uh, Central, so that's 7 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, slightly different than our residential show, and that's because it was really stupid early, uh, and we got feedback, and we listened to people. And uh, that one started at 7 a.m. my time, so that means 5 a.m. Pacific. So we adjusted it to at least at least allow the Pacificers to uh, get some coffee in them uh, and, and join us. So uh, check that out on, on the front page of our website. Register for there. 
if you, even if you can only make it one or two classes, go ahead and register. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.